I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good I feel like that's a lot longer. Very, <laughs> yeah. dramatic. Very dramatic. If you can't tell, uh, if you're watching with us live on, on YouTube or watching this later on our YouTube channel or Facebook, uh, we have a much longer uh, intro because Dexter got a hold of this production-wise, and <laughs> now there's actually like cool video rather than just our faces like beat bopping back to the music as it's playing on the intro. So um, yeah, you're, you're losing that effect if you're listening to us on. Yeah, regular podcast, you know. Well, I mean, it's regular podcasts are so 2019. (laughs) Everything's on YouTube now. Oh, buddy, how are you? Oh man, you know, pretty good, pretty good. I, uh, I'm real bummed. If anybody watched the uh, the Sunday sit down yesterday, I was wearing my Broncos uh, ugly sweater, and the Broncos couldn't quite pull off the upset of the Chiefs last night. So I'm just like. A little bit sad about that, but it wasn't expected. disappointed. It's fine. Everything's fine. Actually, I don't really care that much. Who was playing quarterback for him last night? <laughs> Mr. Drew Locke was back after his uh, uh, COVID issues. So okay. they actually had a quarterback. They didn't have to pull anybody off the, the practice good. squad this time. That's good. You know, it's good. Yeah. Anyhow, well, you doing all right, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We're, um, you know, we're moving right along here through Advent. So if you right. missed yesterday's worship, um, no shame. There is an opportunity for you to catch up. You can find it on our Facebook page. You can find it on our YouTube channel. You'll find varying various parts of the worship service, um, you know, kind of spliced and cut up and sent back out to you and bite-sized chunks. However you want to engage with worship, uh, you know, we, we want you to find what works for you. But we were... Um, you know, we continue this series, Joy in the Midst of Darkness, and it is, um, you know, a series that I think is appropriately timed as we try to figure out how do we find joy um, in the midst of this year. And uh, it's a challenge, I think, yeah. because uh, because of how heavy everything feels and how off-kiltered everything is. I think we've talked about it, but I think maybe it's worth revisiting that um, – so much of what I read and when I see people talk about light and darkness, and I, I don't think darkness is an uncommon theme in the midst of of Advent. I think people approach it fairly regularly, but it's almost always approached with this idea of, but yet there's light at the end of the tunnel kind of mentality. You know, mm-hmm. like there's always this kind of dichotomy. And I know we talked about week one, this this Barbara Brown Taylor book and her her invitation to I think you talked about it in your first sermon of this, this series too this idea of befriending the darkness right and I just think it's a really it's a really uncommon approach in the midst of all of the noise around darkness versus light kind of thing and it's a move past just like dualism that we've talked about some too but I just again I think we, it's 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 worth spending a little bit more time reflecting on that because there's just so much talk of like oh well we're gonna get through this like there's a vaccine coming like it's just so like we're in a lot, a lot of darkness and we don't just allow ourselves always to sit with that darkness we, we almost like force ourselves out of it yeah i mean it is a um 
in some ways, I think it's a, a luxury for some of us to say, hey, let's sit in the darkness because uh, we can handle it because we have the resources needed. Um, on the on the other side, I think like learning that the darkness is always around is is really important. Like there is no way to insulate us from feeling um, the heaviness that the darkness can create. Mm. Uh, but you're right. Like darkness is not inherently bad and we have to like move away from the like light dark dichotomy i think um and recognize that that advent every year is a season of darkness and preparation that's why we that's why we light candles right i mean like it is a reminder that um that christ is birthed into this kind of dark world and um and and even christ's birth happens you know in darkness uh not only just because it's night, but also because the stories tell us that it, it happens um, outside the the light or power of empire too, mm-hmm. right? So on the edges, and I and I think that when we recognize that story, calls us back to the darkness as a friend uh, to be reminded really good things happen in in the midst of darkness is um, is important because we can we can move so quickly to Christmas morning where there's you know whatever it is Christmas morning looks like <laughs> Christmas tree and light up toys and uh, you know, yummy warm food and, and right. you know, hopefully some sun shining over a snow uh, covered backyard. Right. But yeah. truth is darkness happens every, every year in Advent and it's more of a appreciation of that than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And I'm, I'm enjoying the aspect of that from this series. And I think it's, it's been a good thing to approach from a, a standpoint of worship. And it just helped me kind of reflect on my Advent journey in a little bit of a different way too. So. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate Rebecca's like calls continue to do a really good job of setting the scene of how do we befriend darkness? How do we, um, how do we see it as a companion and not a foe? Um, and, you know, she does such a great job of writing that, uh, those liturgies, um, particularly the calls in Advent, are a little longer, a little more poetic, and um, and I think thematically, it's a little more heady and a little more esoteric than maybe you know some of the other series we've done, which poses challenges. I think for all of us trying to like boil it down to something that can be. Um, you know, used and uh, appreciated and and heard and and consumed in that way. But um, but she does a really good job of setting the scene. And so, uh, if you weren't watching worship, you don't know this. Um, but Rebecca and her husband Jeff uh, tested positive uh, for COVID nineteen, and so they are at home recovering, quarantining, doing all the the good things necessary to uh, to stay uh, healthy and, and get healthy and stay safe. And so she's not with us this morning on the podcast. Um, she pre-recorded a lot of her music uh, as she started to feel bad before she got a positive test. So she was uh, she had a lot of foresight there and um, was able to to get some stuff recorded for us on Sunday um, earlier last week. And as I said in my sermon, we, we kind of took a – um, a hatchet's not a precise enough word, a scalpel to worship <laughs> and, um, and did a lot of pre-recording on a lot of different days. And then we give it to, to Dexter to stitch back together. And, and he did a great job doing that. So we'll probably worship will probably feel, you know, our hope is that it feels, it doesn't feel any different 
Um, but it may feel a little different over the next few weeks as we, um, you know, try to, um, you know, keep going, but also keep everyone safe. Okay. So I, I, I was feel, you know, so often you and I, and, and usually Rebecca and, and even Dexter, like whenever we're in the midst of it, worship feels very different because we're in the midst of like kind of making it happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's it, what did you feel energy wise from the service, having it been pre-recorded like that? And then like being on the other side like this, because we've been really intentional about trying to be as live as possible. Yeah. Where a lot of churches have been pre-recorded. We've kind of had that conversation too, but like, but w- did you feel like there was a different energy yesterday or? Um... I, I, not really. I mean, outside of it, just, you know, obviously not having as many people involved in worship in the sanctuary space. Like, I think that became evident, but no, I, I you know, it's hard to say. Uh, it always feels a little different watching, you know, watching worship at home when you've participated in worship. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, yeah, I think, you know, we're probably not the best people to ask because we've already like gone through it once. And so we've already experienced it. And so it's kind of a re-experiencing of worship um, in some ways, but, you know, I, I would be interested, like, you know, does, does it feel different um, having it pre-recorded versus live? See my my mom says yeah. uh, no. <laughs> yeah, your mom says energy feels the same on this side of the screen, which right. is good. And and I, I don't know if it's just because I was you know able to to pay almost more attention because I wasn't like trying to make sure everything's moving in the way that it's supposed to in the midst and the like, kind of the, the heat of the moment feels like the weird word, but like I don't know. So it, it did. Just, it felt very different for me and. I couldn't, I'm not sure I can put words to why. So I was curious if you were feeling the same thing or if it was just me. <laughs> I was looking for solidarity. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Right. I, you know, I, I guess we just have to trust that in the midst of all of this, like worship is still um, a time that's set aside by folks at home. Sure. And, you know, it's still a time that we're setting aside, although in chunks during the week. Yeah. And, you know, we enter into that time prayerfully, trusting the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us. We hope that that happens uh, and translates to whatever um, is produced on sure. Sunday morning. And I think that that's the most we can do, right? I there's just no perfect way to handle these types of situations. And, you know, it being Advent, I think is particularly challenging because we, um, this is one of the seasons like Easter um, where it just doesn't feel the same. You can't replicate that feeling of um, the sanctuary being all decorated and and candles being lit and, and seeing folks um, who come into town and, you know, like, you just can't replicate it. So I think the challenge is, do we expect ourselves to be able to replicate that? uh, um, Or do we lean into the fact that this is just how it is? And I think we've done a really good job of leaning into it and, and still trying to do our best with what we have. Right. And that's really key. And I think it's a real Testament to our church. Like, I think everyone's staying engaged and doing the best that they can. And because of that, I think that we are being blessed by, um, by a particular faithfulness that is, being demonstrated by our congregation and by our staff as we um, as we move through this uh, dark time and uh, in in this winding journey towards Bethlehem. Yeah, it it so 
the, the Isaiah text that we read this Sunday was not this text, and I can't remember if we read it last week, but it's the the comfort will comfort me text, you know, or comfort right. will comfort my people. Right. Um. So my friend from Virginia Theological Seminary, Sarah Stone Cipher Boylan, she is doing this deal called Advent Word, where it's a different word each day, and today was the word comfort, and it, it took me back to this this idea of comfort and. And like this challenge that we're in right now to figure out like if it's a text in Isaiah, it's an imperative in the Hebrew, right? Like, and and what I learned in Old Testament was that like it's an imperative of like a a, um, a plural imperative, like y'all, like we would say in, in, in Texas, right? Yeah. Like y'all comfort my people. And yeah. I think our challenge is in the like in such darkness that we're in right now, like how are we as the church going to respond to one another to comfort? are God's people, right? Which there's a lot to unpack there, right? Like who are God's people? Well, I would probably argue everyone's God's people. And like, who are, who is the y'all directed to? Well, it's also kind of directed to everybody, but like specifically in the Isaiah text, it's, it's to the people Israel. Right. And, oh, and it's so, very specific in who it's addressed to. Sure. And very broad in who the recipient, the recipient should be that comfort. Right. And if we as a church are going to look at that text and, you know, and ponder it, it is a, Hey, White Rock, comfort my people while we also comfort one another, right? I think like that's the that's the key. And and that requires us extending a lot of grace to one another. And I and and because God extends it to us, but but we need to extend grace to one another and in the the way that this Christmas is not going to feel like last Christmas. And I and I'm seeing it even like in the Facebook chatter during worship, you know, like the conversations that happen between people there are like really like touching to me that it feels so intimate. And in some of the, the ways people welcome one another in that space. And it's, it's almost like they bump into each other in the narthex and are having this conversation about something that happened yesterday, but it's just happening in a Facebook chat. And, right. you know, I think pre pandemic, nobody would have ever thought that there would be any comfort in that space. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, I accept the challenge of what does it mean for y'all comfort my people in the midst of a global pandemic where technology really is having to be the, the space that we, we use and the tool that we use to go and comfort one another. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the comfort that we're used to. <laughs> Here's the cliche, right? But maybe it's the comfort that we need right now, you know, like, yeah. Um, and that, I know that's a challenge, but it's also like, it's giving us an opportunity to be really creative in the way that we, we approach the the rituals that we have so often leaned into that we don't get to do in the same way right now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, it's not, it's not ideal to, to have communion. Like we celebrated communion this past Sunday. Right. The good news is that good, like, good example communion is still celebrated. Right. And um, outside of apparently I, everyone <laughs> said, I look like a monk that's wearing a black hoodie. <laughs> But and I guess it was really evident when I put on a white stole. Anyway, I'm down with that. I'm down with the monk look. Like maybe I should just start wearing uh, more. What are they called? Not robes. Monks Ca- is it a cassock? Is that the word? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I need to go back and. I have a white one. Up on my uh, liturgical wardrobe uh, terminology. But anyway, having said that. What I love about about it is it's 
it's something that we kind of bumble around and like it's not perfect and like i don't know how to like really preside i'm not comfortable presiding over communion online like right it's it, it, you know but it doesn't matter it's not about our comfort level it is about like can god's grace still be articulated and experienced in these digital spaces and in right. the moments of uh lack of confidence and then the resounding answer is yes we see that in scripture over and over and over and over again right i mean god is showing up in the midst of like anxiety and fear and um struggle and incompetency and in mary right like think about the transformation that must have existed in mary's life going from right unknown un probably underappreciated uh unwed um girl to right. this uh prophetic voice that we see in luke which is the text right like god's choosing to show up in these moments and because of that like we trust that god's continue to show up in these moments and and who knows where that will lead us right now it's such a it's such a beautiful and powerful text and um it just it just it hit really well for the week what were what were the things that you wrestled with the most as you were working through the text to prepare a sermon around it I mean, I had the worst time writing the sermon. Like, I don't know if it was my own fatigue or my own frustration that, like, I don't know if this was a week where I was like, this is not how sermons are supposed to be preached into microphones that are into cameras, right? Like, I need yeah. people around me. Uh, I don't know if it was a text and just feeling overwhelmed by what what direction we take it. But, like, I had the hardest time writing it. And I think that... Um, you know, what finally, what I finally settled on was this, it was actually, I read a, a bit of commentary about, uh, about this idea of the incarnation. And I didn't spend a lot of time here, but it being the root word for flesh, uh, you know, like carne being the, the word there for flesh and then also carnival. <laughs> and it was this idea that, um, that the absurdity of, um, Jesus's birth and the manner in which it takes place is, um, much more of a statement about God than uh, than we would like to give uh, credit to, and and it's this idea that that the absurdity leads to this unbridled kind of singing out. And uh, before we make really large theological claims about the incarnation, we have to like feel it, like mm -hmm. feel the absurdity of it. And so this person was writing about. Um, uh, essentially all the carnivals that took place in medieval Europe around Christmas. And it was essentially a whole week of lampooning the most powerful people. They would elect their own bishops and they would do these, like they'd have these carnivals where like all the, all the like poorest folks in the land were the ones like marching in the parades and like getting the, the food at the end. And like, it was trying to like embody this upside down world. Wow. And, um, and I think we see that some like in other carnival cultures, right in new Orleans and, uh, Brazil, right. Like yeah. it's this idea that um that we can't really get to the heart of the matter until we recognize how un uh i'm trying to find the right word how we can't really get to the heart of the matter until we recognize how well absurd it all is sure right like which is so like beyond it's, an, it's beyond an intellectual beyond an intellectual yeah. like um understanding or appreciation it is a 
how do we embody that? And yeah, and that takes us to a whole nother level, which is so fascinating. Cause when you think of, like you said, carnival and like, there's not a lot of people who are doing a like deep theological, like um, intellectual dissect on the experience of carnival. Well, there went my lighting. <laughs> um, apparently like a uh, hardest time with his, uh, my limit cube stickiness is, has gone away. Well, I'll just, uh, you know, hold my lighting like this. Um, strip. It is 2020. It's fine. Um, yeah, like, but people are going, are, are celebrating Carnival for the, the like you said, the carnal, the experience of that, right? Like, not the intellectual. And uh-huh. and it should just make us shift a little bit when you bring this attention to Advent that we spend a lot of time in the church specifically thinking about Advent and, like, what does it mean and, like, doing the, the intellectual side of it. But, like, what are the experiential things we're being invited into as well with yeah. this and, like, and I think that's what we can mourn because it's. I think it's hard to recreate that over a screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. The touch of bread, the tactile experience of communion. I know we can have that at home, but you know, the be, it being handed to us. Um, I think it's the senses being like the sanctuary looking different. Although we try to make it look pretty, pretty. We don't. We don't necessarily buy into the whole like let's just make it look ridiculous. But yeah. um, but you know, like just the subtle things that we take for granted. Um, I think are, are, are ways that we can shift our thinking like yeah. sanctuary looking different. Isn't just so it can look pretty. It's to like help us reorient ourselves to the story. Like, yeah. you know, like the idea that there are trees inside the sanctuary, like that, that should get us to a level of like past. Oh, that's pretty too. Huh? What does that really mean? And like, yeah. what does it mean that I can like think about Reese being hung or like, you know, if we, if we were a, a, a you know, tradition that, burnt incense like Mm -hmm. some of these things that i think are to wake us up out of the routine um are really hard to translate (laughs) on screens because now what we're doing is we are taking worship in whatever form or fashion we're consuming it and we're we're like letting it be a part of our routines um at least that's how we do it at our house like cash is still doing whatever cash is going to do and uh, i'm still like getting coffee or 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 making breakfast or making lunch really and um you know so i think there's this uh idea that that out of the convenience of it all which is awesome sure celebrate it there is this lack of um differentiation between worship and advent and the world we live in and and that's hard to replicate yeah it is hard to replicate yeah it is and that, i mean it again it, it's just this huge challenge for us who are, are kind of called to lead the church right to to invite people into that and to find a a new way and like you said differentiate and and kind of a a way to interrupt all the noise of of what the monotony and like the repetitiveness that we experience right. kind of day in and day out yeah um Man, so you do it because you wear a Bronco sweater. (laughs) The the fact that I didn't have um, a change of shirt and had to continue to wear the Bronco sweater for the announcements was was pretty fantastic. Um, I can only imagine how distracting and confusing that was. People who didn't experience this when they sit down and they they tuned into worship and they're like, "Why is Phil wearing a ridiculous Bronco sweater?" So, what the best part about that was. I mean, your sweater did play in. It wasn't the deciding factor, but we were like, can you really preside over communion in that sweater? <laughs> totally. 
and we made yeah, the call. The answer is yes, you can. Totally. Yes, you can. But you know, it would have might have been a little distracting. I think it's you know, as as mom points out, albs, right? I yeah. you know, I I think the alb approach to communion is is a far better one. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Now, was it was there anything else in worship that that really stood out to you? I'm yeah, looking at our bulletin from yesterday, and I always like it when. I always like listening to Josh pray. I think he does mm-hmm. really uh, good, good job crafting uh, pastoral prayers. And yep. so anytime I get to hear uh, Josh pray is uh, a blessing for me as a pastor and just as a, you know, fellow sojourner with the mm-hmm. congregation on this thing. Um, and, you know, I, it's always good to see the folk band. It's, it's mm-hmm. in some ways there is nothing while it all might have been stitched a little bit differently and, and, and kind of put together a little differently, it still felt like white rock uh, yeah. Sunday morning at white rock. And, and that's what I really, um, what I really appreciated. You know, it's just this um, consistency with, with who we are. And, and that really comes through with the liturgy and, and the candle readings. And they, re- they all represent a uh, kind of an identity that we, we believe we've been given you know, because of, you know, our faithfulness to, to the to the spirit and, and where we're moving. Um, so this identity is kind of hyper local, but also hyper authentic. And, and so in a lot of ways, I thought worship was great yesterday. Yeah, I, I still, I just really love that we have the opportunity to pull people in. You know, it was the McNeils doing the statement of faith and it was um like mandy yeah and their their <laughs> their kiddos was awesome at the end when he was right. like yeah amen like i mean they're yeah. just you're right that's what those are the things that kept it feeling like white rock to me and even like lisa and sandy doing the call to worship like the i just love that we still get to have voices of the of our whole body right like it's not right. just a couple of us here but um, and a lot of that comes back to Rebecca's really great advanced planning and Dexter's ability to pull it all together. And like you said, stitch it together. Like it was just really good to to be able to, even though we're we're still so distanced from one another, to see one another and get to hear um, and and to get to do this, this worship experience together and not right. feel like it's um, like, it's just, it's, it's a collective thing still. And I love that so much. Yeah. So and for that. I don't have favorites in the congregation, but I would say like, <laughs> I, I really love, uh, Carmen brings so much to me as a pastor in terms of the questions she asks and the the points she makes in the Bible study. But also when I hear Carmen read scripture, I just, I, I tend to pay attention um, yeah. just because of her presence and who she is. And yeah. so, uh, I don't have favorites, but Carmen is one of my favorites. Right. And so um, <laughs> shout out Carmen. So, yeah. And I just, so I, I think like we're seeing ourselves reflected in our worship, which is ultimately the biggest reflection of God and God's work in in our community, right? And so it's not about us; it's about God and what we um, what we've come to understand yeah. about God and where our places and God's uh, continued uh, story. Um, and so I think that 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 just is um, it makes my heart happy uh, when I can experience worship like that yeah. and see. Um, the people I love uh, reflecting um, the gospel back to me. And, totally. uh, and that's why we, 
that's why we do it, right? That's why we wake up uh, on Sunday morning and, and go to worship is is so we can have that um, touch point, uh, that intersection with the divine in this, in the um, in our normal lives, and and right. hopefully feel um, the continued pulling of the spirit for us to live holy and um, and justice filled lives. Totally. Yeah, I. I know I've said this a couple times now, but I really do. I really do appreciate this series, and I think it's been really good. Um, and I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to reflect on it, and and even this podcast, like it's it's helpful for me to go back and revisit and um, think through and process through um, all of it. And Dex is throwing up wrumc.org for more information, right? Like there's there are there are other pieces and things that we do. You mentioned Bible study, right? And and I love that we get to sit with a handful, 10 of us that to get together on Wednesday mornings and really process through the, when we read through the Magnificat earlier this week, like, like last week, it was just, these are really good things for my soul that continue to give me like um, a little bit of a balm in the midst of all of this. And I'm just super grateful that we have this connection, you know? Um, Absolutely. I, I miss like like everybody being in person so much, but I'm, I'm still really grateful that that we have these connection points and that it's not just something that we we throw on a screen and consume on Sunday mornings and then that's it, right? But there's really these great conversations that happen in the chat and there's really um, these other touch points that we get to have each week. And so um, I think that's been one of the most meaningful parts of me, this advent and um, making me kind of recalibrate myself in the midst sure. of all of it. For sure. Good news is we got a couple more weeks of advent left. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't caught up, there's plenty of time to catch up in the series. Uh, next week we continue uh, with Advent three and uh, some more beautiful music and continue kind of searching for this thing. And you can find all that on wrumc.org slash online. So friends, thank you for listening, Phil. Yeah. Great job. Sorry hey. about the Broncos. I mean, their season's done anyway. It's fine. I can't wait to watch a Cowboys game on Tuesday. Right? It's weird also. All right. Yeah. All right. Y'all, thanks for joining us this morning. Take care. Yep. See you soon. Bye. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.